Every family in this building, every family, inside, backstage, where the characters are, up top, and anybody on the property, every family, people that's online, your family is under attack. You may not know that, but, but your family is under attack. It may be through the marriage itself. It may be through, through your children. It may be through your health, as we just heard. It may be through uh, some financial attack. It may be uh, a, a, a detac- uh, an attack on your mind, your job, school, all kinds of things. But every family here, you are under attack. Your family is under attack. I don't care if you're married, if you have children at home, if you've never had children, if you're single, if your children are up and grown and you've got grandchildren, great-grandchildren, if, if you are divorced, single, widowed, widower, it doesn't matter. Your family, your family, you, your family is under attack. Your home, and when I say home, your residence, the house, the place you live, Your house, your home, determines whether the attack is successful or unsuccessful. Let me make that plural. Whether the attacks are successful or unsuccessful. Your home does. And I need to uh, make sure you understand that. I didn't say that your home determines whether or not you get attacked. You are with me, right? I said, but the house, the, the, the way your house is built, what it's set on, what it does, what it practices, what it embraces, what it's defined by, your home determines whether the attacks are successful or not. The other thing is, you do not need to be fooled or deceived by the surface. What I mean is you don't need to be deceived by what others look and see, what you think is okay or not okay, how well things are going, what people do know, what people don't know. Don't be deceived by the surface, folks. Don't be deceived. Your family is under attack. I don't care if you got plenty of money in the bank, no money. Plenty of food, no food. I don't care where you live or where you wished you lived. Don't be fooled by the surface. Everything about surface is always, always temporary. On Thursday of this week, I sent you, most of you got it. Don't know if you watched it or not, but I sent you a short message in a video. I'll, I'll refer to that a little bit later on, but I, I want to I make one reference right now. During the video, I told you about three or four weeks ago, God began to deal with me about talking to young men and boys in the church about families, and then the next week, focus on the ladies, and then just start building it from there. Well, you know, we got sick, and the Lord had laid something else on my heart, and then it, it, it started. One thing after another began to happen with widespread signs from the Lord. I, two weeks ago, I told you about a prayer service I go to, some in Charlotte. Uh, they were praying specifically two weeks Monday about, about families. Then they brought it back up last 
Monday again about families. That got my attention. And a message that I heard last Sunday afternoon got my attention all over again uh, because it was a guest speaker that I've, I told you that in the video. The guest speaker, and it was begin, he was at a church. He was, uh, he was visiting uh, as the first speaker in a series they are actually doing called, of all things, Family Values. So that really got my attention even more. I had just been familiar with a situation that I've, I've known about practically my whole life and how the family is so torn and bitter and even at death, it's still as splintered as it can be, far apart, almost at the point of hate. And God really, he just got a hold of my heart and then other things started happening. One in particular was last Sunday night. Last Sunday night, I uh, went to bed and I had a series of dreams. And for those of you that didn't watch the video or you're visiting, by the way, we're, we're so happy to have you here or, or watching online. We are just pleased that God's that good to us that you would be with us today. But I had dreams, and I never pay attention to 99.98% of the dreams, primarily because I don't even remember them the next morning. Uh, I, I just don't. I, I don't. So I, 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 don't, I don't pay attention to them. But for a very important reason, I, God recalled these dreams to me on Monday morning, and I had no clue because they were out there. Then on Thursday, I mean, excuse me, Monday went by. Then on Tuesday night, I had two more dreams that, that I remember. And I thought about it on Wednesday and then on Thursday. God began to deal, that's the day that I recorded the video. God began to deal with me about those dreams. And, and I'm just going to be kind of quick with this, so you, I need you to pay attention. The first dream was about a friend of mine that died just a few months ago. And I saw my friend in a pair of khaki pants and a blue Oxford or button-up shirt, and he was getting ready to attend someone's funeral. In the dream, his sister came in to the room and I introduced his sister to him and asked him, did he know her? And he said, yes. That's about all I remember about that dream. Then I had in the same night another dream about a, a family in Rockingham. Uh, probably Mackie would remember the family, but I, I was never close to them. I didn't know it. And I, I think even the father in the family was some kind of like representative in the state or something like that. And I knew his son. His son was the same age as Mackie. And I, I knew the daughter because the daughter kind of worked as a receptionist at uh, old school YMCA, Parks and Recs, where they had a gym and we'd work out some. In the dream, I didn't see the boy. I didn't see nobody but the girl, the sister. And I, I was talking to the sister and I asked her about her brother, Rick. I'll say that. And she said, well, he's 
living in Charlotte or something like that. And then I said, well, what about your daddy? She said, oh, he died 10 years ago. And then the third dream was just me standing at a sink brushing my teeth. I do brush my teeth, by the way. And there were people behind me talking and kind of making light of, uh, of what I was doing. I'd hate to smell the breath, by the way, but that wasn't part of the dream. But they were making fun of me, and they were saying things that, um, that just was real uh, condescending. On Thursday, I had a dream that was about driving up on the church property and making a U-turn on the van, and I saw two vehicles parked here, and I'm going to be very, very, very uh, discreet for obvious reasons, but I saw two cars parked like they were hidden, and the church property was being disrespected. That's what I'll say. God's property was being disrespected. I uh, was kind of really concerned about that, but the, the, in that same night, the, the, the last dream... This has never happened to me. I'll be double nickel this year. This has never happened to me. But I was driving back into Rockingham, and when I get to the stoplight where the Sonic is and Burger King and all that, I pulled in left. All the stoplights were wrapped in black plastic, and there was no traffic on the road. When I pulled in to the parking lot there, I turned back and looked at the highway, and the only way I know to explain this to you, it was, it was a group of soldiers like they were inverted, like with jetpacks on their back, almost like a parade, but they were coming down the highway. And in the middle of the pack of soldiers were inmates, like from a, a prison. And as they went down, I saw the soldier in the middle, in the front, take out a pistol and turn and, I'll just say this, take the life of his fellow soldier right beside him. To say the least, this stuff's all over the place, and you know, the only, only relief I have sometimes is, is I read how far out there the dreams that uh, Daniel had to interpret, and, the, and that Daniel had himself, you know, and, and, and they had something. And I, I, don't, I don't do this. I don't. I don't do it, but God began to deal with me, and he said, uh, I, I need to speak with you about those dreams. He said, because every one of those dreams has to do with families and families in the church and families as a whole. He said, the first dream that concerned your friend Eddie getting ready for the funeral, he said, I want you to know that every family member has to be ready. He said, that meant when his sister came in and you introduced his sister, every one of your family members must make it to heaven, folks. Almost is a sure ticket to hell. Every family member must make it into heaven. The next thing that happened with the family in Rockingham, the girl, when she told me that her dad had died 10 years ago, Every family in here, we're going to see death. Death's going to come. And we've got to be prepared for it when it comes. 
the dream with the, the episode at the sink, brushing my teeth, and the people making light, is that we, as families, and, and we as a church, but even as individuals, we have got to come to a place and stop caring too much about what people think about us. We, we, can't, we can't let them shake us or make light or fun of us because God, I will say this before I finish, God is in a season of preparation for his sheep, for his body. And he's starting with families, you see. And he said, you cannot be concerned or can you be consumed with what other people in the background are saying about you, about your family, about your determination to make it into heaven or to see your family into heaven. You can't, and he said the last thing, the thing with the, the soldiers coming down the highway and one betraying the other, I want, the inmates in the middle, he said, represent your family and families that are in bondage of some kind. Surrounded by the world, the soldiers represented the world. And I want you to make sure that you make it clear on Sunday that the church, the families in the church today understand that the world cares nothing for their family. The world can't trust itself. The world has no use for itself, so it doesn't have any use for your family. And then something that I've never, ever read before in the second chapter of Acts is where God took me. If you have a Bible and you want to turn there, you can, but I'm just reading verse 1 and verse 2. The Bible says this, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, the Bible says, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Your family is under attack. And God sent me specifically today to start this week by serving notice to hell that we're going to make sure we understand that, but also to let you know you can no longer take any decision lightly that pertains to anything about your family because your family is what's at stake. And the Bible says this, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, all the people that had been given the promise were given instructions to go to the upper room in Terry or wait. And we believe it was somewhere around a period of 10 days. God sent me today to tell you that the day of Pentecost was a day that was promised and Jesus even talked about it before he ascended up to heaven. He said, you need to go there because you're going to get, you're going to get the promise, but you got to do what you're told and instructed to do. God wants you to understand that 
There is a day of deliverance for your, for your family that's about to fully come. There's a day of restoration like the prodigal son with the daddy that's about to fully come. There's a day of healing over marriages and relationships and finances and all kinds of diseases and depression and all kinds of forms of fiery darts that's about to fully come, but... You as a family have got to make your mind up now that we're going to start being in one place and in one accord. The day's going to fully come, church. And it's not a question if the day will fully come. And I use this all the time. You see, 4,000 people were fed. 5,000 people were fed. Many occasions we find that Jesus healed them all, the Scripture says. But on the day of Pentecost, when it fully come, only about 120 were in one place, in one accord. So not almost all of your family, not everybody but the daddy, everybody but the mama, not everybody but one child, all of the family, in order for what you need God to do in your family to fully come, you've got to make your mind up that you are going to start today being in one place and in one accord. Bible says this, when they got in perfect sync, and I tell you this and I prayed it today, that me and Angie pray every single day for this church and we pray for our family, but there's two things we always pray for. And we pray for unity for our family, and we pray for unity for this church within this church. The most explosive thing you can find in the Bible outside of the cross and the resurrection is the day of Pentecost when they were all in one place, in one mind, and in one accord. There is no substitute. You cannot fake unity. You cannot get a... Uh, a counterfeit promise uh, in place of the lack of unity. You can't do it. And the Bible says that when they were all together, when they were all in sync, when they all were doing the same thing and they all had their mind on the same thing, the Bible says in verse 2, then a sound from heaven came and that's what filled the house. And the question this morning is, what kind of sound is filling your house? What is the sound of your house? If we walk in, I know, I mean, I don't mean this metaphorically. I mean, if we walk in your house right now, stand in a corner, what sound are we going to hear? If we stay there for two days, if we stay there for a week, what sound are we going to hear during those two days? What kind of sound? Is there going to be glory to God going on? Is there going to be a series going on? Is there going to be fighting? Is there going to be language that you sure wouldn't use in church? What is the sound in your house? What is the lack of unity? What is the lack of not being in one place in one accord? What is it generating in your house? You better figure it out today, church. You better figure it out today because I have wore this message for a month. And I cannot wait to be through with it. I cannot wait, but when I get through with it, I'm stopping here long enough to tell you when I'm through with it, it is completely out of my hands and it's on all of our, our shoulders for us to do what we're going to do. 
Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to make your mind up that your sister's going to go to heaven. Your mama's going to heaven. Your daddy's going to heaven. My grandma's going to heaven. My in-laws are going to heaven. You need to make your mind up today. We're changing some things in the house so we all can go to heaven. Today's the day. Bible says it filled the whole house. So that means you can't tell me that, well, he's strange, she's strange. You know, they're kind of quirky. No, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh You don't want them to go to hell. Can we agree on that? All right, look, it's got to fill the whole house. Do you buy the groceries? Say yes. Well, who, who, who takes care of your bills? I need to know that. I said, do you provide the groceries in your house? All right, y'all, I'm not being funny. Who pays your bills then? You pay your own bills. Okay, all right. Who provides the gro- Do you provide the groceries? Do you provide the lights? Do you provide the insurance for the car? Do you provide, provide, provide the cell phone? Can I get an amen? Okay, your whole house, not part of it, You don't want him to almost go to heaven. They completely go to hell if they almost go to heaven. Are we clear on that today? You're going to have to talk back to me. Now, I sat in that cold school two weeks preaching to you by myself. I need you to show up in this building today. All right. Because there's plenty of people in the Bible that got it wrong. And I want to tell you this, and I'm about to prove what I'm about to read to you. There are plenty of people in the Bible that did the work of the Lord. Hey, guys, listen, uh, if it ain't too much trouble, can you cut a few more lights on out there? I want to see them as good as they're looking at me today. I just, uh, I'm good up here, but I don't even care if it's them noisy. I don't even care today. But I I, I didn't come to play games today. I've been shown by heaven. I've been shown by heaven what I'm going to have to deal with if I don't deal with the word of God and what God has said for me to say today. And it don't look good at all. It ain't good, and I will tell you, what I'm referring to without going into great detail is irreversible. Are we clear on that? Okay. There was a man in the Bible that was part of the work of the Lord. He was part of marching around a city called Jericho. Did it day in and day out. Like God said, the last day they marched seven times. Y'all remember that story? Well, it's called the Battle of Jericho. What if God said, march, march, one time. One time did it six times. Last time they did it seven times. But in that story, God told them to do something. He said in the sixth chapter of Joshua, the 18th verse, he said, now when the walls fall and you go in, to completely wipe out, destroy that city. 
He said, gold, silver, the things of iron, we're going to dedicate those to the Lord's house. But everything else is cursed. Everything else is cursed. You're going to burn the city up and you're going to destroy everything. Beast, man, woman, child, every, you, you're going to destroy it. You're going to wipe it out. And the 18th verse says, and, and it says it just like this, and you, by all means, everybody, let's do something I don't like preachers doing, say, all means, by all means, abstain from the accursed things. That means leave it alone, don't touch it, stay away from it, don't even think about it. Abstain from the accursed, by all means, the Lord said. By all means, stay away from the accursed things lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and here we go, this is critical, and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. That's what verse 18 says. So I would think when the Lord God says, by all means, don't you touch anything. I think he means don't you touch anything. If God says it's cursed, it's cursed. If God calls it sin, it's sin. I've had to tell people this for decades because it's my family or your family or another preacher somewhere or, or, or another church somewhere. Sin is sin. Sin is never circumstantial based on what family or what person it is. If my children are not saved, they will die and go to hell. If your children are not saved, they'll die. It doesn't matter. Just ask old Eli in the Bible. Hophni and Phinehas. They think because their daddy held a position, they could sleep around with women on the front steps of the church. Can't do it, friend, and you still can't do it. There's a price to pay. God has a standard, and if you don't meet the standard, hell will be your home. So, he said, by all means, don't you touch it. Leave it alone. Stay away from it. And then, we have Achan that walks onto the scene. Bible says in the seventh chapter of Joshua, very next chapter, that the people had started after they just watched the walls fall down, watched a, an undeniable miracle of God take place without them lifting a finger, just lifting their voice, and walls fell. I mean, he, he saw this now. He was a part of this. He was right in the thick of all of it. The tribe of Judah was where he was from. He was right there. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. Listen. Now, somewhere along the lines, Achan felt like, well, God didn't really mean that. He didn't mean all of the accursed things. He didn't mean those accursed things. He... he he didn't mean that. And so he took it upon himself. I'm, I'm going to read the scripture in just a second, but I want to tell you this. He took it upon himself to do this. 
And when he did this, they were so used to the hand of God on their life and making walls fall and doing all kind of things, things like making clothes last for 40 years and shoes last for 40. They were used to all this, but all of a sudden, they went to go up a little old group, a little old group of people. And they got there and they wiped out 36 men just like that. They tucked tail, the same people that watched the walls fall, tucked tail and ran. Joshua ripped his clothes wide open and he fell on his face and he started squalling before God. What happened, God? What happened? I thought they're going to make fun. God said, stop your mess right now. And I'm really paraphrasing. He said, hush, stop. You've done what I've told you not to do. You've allowed sin. Sin has come into the camp and my hand's off of you now. I don't care what I did yesterday with the wall. I don't care what I did with the Red Sea. I don't care what I did with the manna from heaven. I don't care what I did with your clothes and your shoes. See, because you serve God today don't mean you can go back out here and play and disobey God tomorrow. We don't have credit built up that overlooks sin in our life that we just feel like we're, we're capable of committing and there's no strings attached. I'm talking to somebody because your family is under attack. So the Bible says, let me, let me read this to you. So when all this happened, they called all the 12 tribes together, went tribe by tribe, and then they got down to the tribe of Judah, Zabdi. And they called Zabdi or Zabdi, and he had a grandson named Achan. And verse 19, I'm going to read it for you. Verse 19 of chapter 7 says, Now Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the God of Israel and make confession. Have you got them up here behind me, guys? I can't see. Now Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him and tell me now what you have done. He didn't ask him if he did it. Do you all hear me today? I know I'm getting a little long here, but look, I'm fighting for your family while I'm fighting for mine. Listen. It's amazing to me, we'll turn our home over to hell for 160 hours a week, but we get antsy if it gets close to 12 o'clock in the house of God. What's up with that? You tell the, t tell the networks they're on too long. Shut them off and maybe your house will become one accord. The Bible says this. He says, tell me what you've done. Don't hide it from me. Verse 20 says, And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When, here we go, When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them. And took them. And there they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. So the Bible says, so Joshua immediately sent messengers. He sent a messenger and said, 
I need you to go to his campsite, to the tribe of Judah, and I need you to go to their tent, and I need you to retrieve those things. And that's exactly what the messengers did. The messenger went to the tent, and folks, it was just exactly as Achan had said. There was a bag of gold, a bag of silver there, 200 pieces of silver. There was a beautiful Babylonian garment there. Just He had dug a hole, you see, in the ground in his tent. See, that's what the devil does. He tells you that you can get by with it. You can hide stuff. But do you know the all-seeing eye of God never takes his eye off of you? And so there it was. The bag of silver was there. The wedge of gold was there. And that beautiful Babylonian garment was there. And the messenger got it all. And as soon as he got them things, he brought them, the Bible says in verse 23, if you're following along, he brought them to Joshua. And all the children of Israel knew about this by now, and he laid them out. Joshua took them from the messenger, and he laid them out before the Lord. And this is critical again. Then Joshua and all Israel with him. You see, because all Israel started suffering. So all Israel came with Joshua. They took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold. I'm not through yet. Satan's after your family. They took the garment, the wedge of gold, the silver, his sons, count them off, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them, the Bible says, to the valley of Achor. Are you still with me right now? Then the Bible says this. And Joshua said in verse 25, Joshua says, Why have you troubled us? Listen to me. The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel with him, they stoned him with stones. And the Bible says, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned all of them with stones. I know what you're thinking. Listen to me. You're thinking that's extreme. You're thinking, oh, no, now they're going to have to have a memorial service. Hey, you're wrong about that, friend. Because of his disobedience, he's already been single-handedly responsible for 36 funerals. 36 daddies have already been buried. 36 husbands have already gone and are not there to provide and take care of their family. 36 sons have already gone. 36 maybe granddaddies are already gone. 36 servants of the Lord are already gone. All because one man saw. And you know this has always gone on. Eve gave in to the serpent. The Bible says when she saw the tree that it was good for fruit. Satan's always tried this. He even tried it with the Son of God when he showed him at the temptations all the kingdoms of the world. He showed him the Jesus. He's still showing people things today. He's putting shiny things in front of people. He's putting pleasing things in front of people. He's putting things that people
people like, things that people make excuses for, things that people say, well, there's no harm in that. All it is is a Babylonian garment. I just did this yesterday and watched the walls fall. That's no excuse and that won't get you anywhere when God says don't do something and you do it anyway. Your family's under attack. You can sell this service short if you want to, but you will call me squalling because they're dead or on drugs or haven't spoken to you in 30 years. You see, your family is under attack because the family, when it's unified and it comes into a church that's unified, there is nothing that the gates of hell can prevail in and coming against the people of God. Nothing, nothing. You see, he made another mistake outside of stealing because the Bible says that you've taken, you've stolen and deceived. What did he steal? Well, he stole something. See, the silver, those things were supposed to go, they were already claimed and dibbed by God. He said they're mine. Don't anybody get distracted. I've asked these people to come take a seat immediately, so I need you to stay right here. I, I didn't want to change clothes today, so that's what's up. So listen, I'm serious now. I, I don't want to bury nobody. I don't, I don't want to have to go to some kind of divorce settlement. I don't want to have to go to some kind of drug detox because your children are hooked on something because you sold this message short today that God's trying to speak to us over. So... God had blessed them with everything they had. I've told you about the manna. I've told you about the clothes. But see what happened. They took a blessed life that God had blessed him with and he took the, the accursed things and he mixed them with the blessed things that God had done for him. And folks, when you do that, when you take some of the world's things and you make exceptions and you mix them with the things of God, what you do next when you continue that, then you start make, making excuses for the things of this world and when they overtake and they take priority over the things of God. Boy, it got quiet on that one, didn't it? But I'm going to say it one more time. Anything in your life, anything in your house, anything about you that God just has to to wait till next time on. Whether it's a show, whether it's something you're giving into your flesh, whether it's something pertaining to, to coming to church or not, I can't come this time because, and you fill in the blank with whatever you want to, you can tell yourself, well, I was with the walls falling down yesterday, but God says do not serve any idol other than me. I am the great I am. Listen to me. He also makes it clear that he is Jehovah Elkanah. You know what that means? That means he's a jealous God. He's a jealous God. He won't share the world or things in the world with him. You, my brothers and sisters, people watching, you 
are flirting with the legacy of your family and, and all eternity of your family because don't you think that Satan ain't sitting back somewhere watching you slide and make exceptions and make some kind of lame excuse why it's okay not to pray, not to give, to stay out of God's house this week, not to help, not to be a part. He's watching you and he says, oh, they bought it now. They bought it now. Oh, all I got to do is pull a little harder. I'm telling you, my family, your family, our families are under attack. He's a jealous God. I'm telling you today that he said in verse 12 of this, in fact, I, I just want to read these to you. Can, can I read verse 11 or 12? I mean, we're just in church. I mean, you know, we're just only in church. I know. I can't hold a, I can't, we cannot hold a candle to that box I know, or, or that phone or whatever. But we're in God's house. By the way, by the way, hadn't said anything about this, but anybody that's hungry for the Lord, you meet me here at 7 o'clock. We're having church here Wednesday night, and I don't mean just watch it on your phone. If you've got breath in your body, you've got a way to church, I need for you to get serious about the kingdom of God. The Bible says in verse 11, Israel has sinned. Israel, you, you, you don't think that you carry that much weight, do you? Israel has sinned. And they also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived. Yeah, that's still going on. What, what do you get? Yeah, people steal every week. God says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. He says, it's mine. You know, in the New Testament, a lot of people get locked in. If they make $101, they put a dollar, uh, $10 and a dime or whatever in, in tithing. And, man, it's off of me now. Well, the New Testament, that's what God said. That, that's my, that, that's mine. That's what he said. In the New Testament, there were people that gave it all, all the time because of the grace of God, because of what Jesus did at Calvary. People gave, so people didn't treat it as a bill and a debt out of their check that we, they gave, they, gave, they worshiped out of their heart. That's what this church is going to, we're going to get more into seeing that what we give to God is worship to God and not some kind of stinking dues or bill or something like that. If that's what it is to you, you need to hold it. You need to. You need to hold it. But he said that's what happens. And people do it on a weekly basis. They still take the, they, they steal from God and they deceive. Uh, play it try, poker face like, they didn't do, like he didn't do anything. That's what he said. And they've also put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel, verse 12, could not stand before their enemies, but turn back but they turned their backs before their enemies because they were doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore. Boy, that's a bad day on the earth. Uh, be told that by God, unless you destroy from among you the accursed things. Verse 13 says, Get up, sanctify the people. Sanctify yourselves tomorrow, the Lord God of it, for, because tomorrow... There's the accursed thing in your midst, O Israel, and you cannot stand before your enemies. 
That's why a lot of homes in this church, a lot of homes watching, and a lot of homes that you know about are living defeated lives, and you cannot stand against the enemy because when he comes in, when Satan comes in like a flood, the standard cannot be raised because you've not set the standard. You've made exceptions. You said, we don't have to go to church this week. We don't have to pray this week. We can play any old kind of trash from hell on the TV or on the computer. We can do all that this week. So you don't have a standard. So when the enemy comes in like a flood, you just have to sit there and get whoop, 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 whoop all day long. You know, you're no match for the devil. No match. Because the Lord says, look, you can keep the accursed things. You can deceive and play it off all you want to. You can make excuses all you want to make excuses. But at the end of the day, you're going to walk past that scripture if you leave these doors. And the Bible says, forsake not. He didn't say, unless this happens or unless you got to do this or unless you don't feel well, but you're going to go do something Sunday afternoon. He says, forsake not. Do y'all still hear me at 1201 today? Do you still hear me? So, he's a jealous God. And see, that's what happens. A lot of funerals go on. But I'm going to give you some hope. I think I'm getting somewhere close to through. But this is what should have happened. See, our homes look like all kind of things. And you've got to make your mind up today. You've got to make your mind up. And you're going to have to hurt feelings. You're going to have to crucify your flesh. You're going to have to pick up your cross daily and follow the Lord and says, No, 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 I know, I know. But we are no match for Satan when we sell out to the world and we sell out to our flesh and then we don't have a leg to stand on because God's just waiting on us to invite him back into our house. And so what happened where he went wrong, let's talk about some solutions today, okay? Where he went wrong at, you see, he had all the things in his house. He allowed all kinds of things. He brought in all kinds of things from the world into his house. And he didn't do what he should have done. Instead of the three things he had, you see, what, what he should have what he should have done, he should have dug deep in his house. And, 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 and number one, he should have done this right here. He should have had the Word of God in his house. Everybody in your house ought to know that the Bible is not a coaster or a place you set the remote so you can find it when you're ready to watch the next thing. On this book right here is what your life ought to... Are y'all hearing me? On this book right here is where your life and your house ought to be built. I don't care if somebody that goes to church down the street or across town, it's not that big of a deal. You love your family, you told me. It ought to be a bigger deal and the Bible ought to be a known thing that gets read in your house every single day. I bet if he'd have had the Bible in his house, it went a little bit different. Another thing that we've got to do in our house, we've got to make sure that we're doing something. There's got to be a different sound in our house from now on. Quit it. I'm telling you in the name of Jesus again. I don't care how mad you get at me today. I'm so over the people laughing at me, brushing my teeth by, and behind me at the sink. Hear me again. Cut your news off. It's going to damn your soul now and possibly send you to hell. Cut your news off. Get that sound out of your house. Cut it off. It's from hell. 
cut it off, you will stand before God one day and he will say, I told you time and time again to get that mess out of your house. It doesn't glorify me and it doesn't build you up. It tells you lie after lie and you lick it up like it's water. You need to quit. You need to cast the devil out. You need to put him under your feet and you need to replace it with things that glorify me and there'll be a different sound from heaven because you're giving me a different sound. I told the group this morning, I said some of the same people that will get mad at me for us including a stoning scene in the message are some of the same parents have no problem letting their children stay locked up on YouTube or playing Fortnite, killing people and running over them for 14 hours a day. That is as jacked up as anything I've ever heard. You need to repent because there's something worse than me showing a stoning scene today. It's called going out here to Hillside and us singing a song because you dropped the ball, Aiken. It's time for us to wake up and see that the only thing left is the people of God and the house of God. And if we don't come together and if we don't get our right together and make some hard decisions in our home and serve God, then he's going to have no resistance. Every, everything I'm telling you, got to be a different sound. Fill your home with praise. Fill your home with honor that glorifies God. Well, I don't like that. I don't care. You find something on your phone that you do like, and you will worship God too, that you will feel the aroma of your house. See, it means a lot when you got a three-year-old daughter that's got 102 temperature in the middle of the night, and because you just serve God in your house all the time, you can drop to your knees and put your hand on her head, and the fever leaves. I've been there and done that more one time. telling you if you don't have it going on at your home don't look for it in the world the world and the form of the world is passing away last thing's probably the hardest thing believe it or not and that's a calendar a schedule the house of God and the things of God the ways of God the commandments of God the instructions of God needs to be what happens every day of every month in your house? Joshua 24, 15. I know you know it, but do you own it? Do you wear it? Does it come off of you? Do people know that about you? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua made a different statement than that, than that of Achan. See, his house fell apart, literally fell apart with rocks because he didn't make his mind up. He said, I don't care about the rest of the homes. He said, ask for me and my house. What are you saying right now? Quit it. I'm going to help you out today. Quit making excuses. Quit it. You don't realize we live in an enablement society. We enable. Do you know that right is wrong and wrong is right? Y'all believe that? You agree with that? Yes, it is. It's as jacked up as it's ever been. Right is wrong. Wrong is right. We enable and we, we, we live in a culture that promotes 
enabling everything from people that are sorry to people that want to kill and hurt people. That's what it's about. And you know what? That same sick satanic mentality has, has crept into the house of God to the people of God and we, we've enabled sin. We've allowed, we've winked at it, we've made an excuse. There's a reason for why we do or we don't do something and God says, look, you better cut it off right now because you can't take what's going to happen. There are some things worse than what you think you might have to change in this life. I'm going to close and tell you this right here too. One of the many, many, many things. The Bible, I've seen this so many times, but one of the many things that has happened to me over the past, I'm going to say the past two to three weeks, along with all those dreams, along with those different messages by people that's not contacted, uh, in contact with each other, all of those things. Thursday morning, and this is not the first thing. Thursday morning, I was going to town because if I go, I'm going early to, to get some things. It was 7 o'clock. The Lord says, go to that church right now and record that, that video that I've told you to compel people to come for their families. At 8.05 is when that video was recorded. And at 8.05 is when that video started processing. It, it took a lot while pro before I could upload it, before it could be scheduled to be shared with you Thursday night. At 8.46 of the same morning, I was down here measuring and work, working on props, and my phone rang from a, a family from this church that completely devastated with what it seems like the enemy may be doing. I, I'm going to be very, very um, candid and we both begin to cry. As I begin to pray with them, I begin to cry out to God. Because, yes, God, it's like God was showing me one more time again, one more time again, that I'm telling you, son, you can, you can try to shave this off of the message. You can worry about people that's thinking that you're talking just to them. I got a news flash. You know who I'm talking to today? Every person with a heartbeat. Uh, Carson got me. Listen, if you are out there, and we've had some people from China, we've had some people from Spain, we've had people other states. I'm talking to you today. Talking to you, not me. I'm just, I'm just relaying information. Nobody's exempt here. And don't you go by the surface of what it looks like. But I begin to pray with this person on the phone. And then I said, I've got a video I want, I want to share it with you now. It's going out tonight. But I just recorded this video 41 minutes ago, and it's like it, it, it's like it was tailor-made for that person to hear that, listen, God is going to come to the rescue for the families in this church. Don't you give up. I got confirmation, but they got comfort. And I'm telling you today, church, in the name of Jesus, that if you will make your mind up. I don't care what we have to do, but we are going to be a house 
that not just in word or some of the times if things doesn't interfere with this or if I'm not too tired in the morning to read my Bible or if we don't have a high bill month, then I'll pay tithes or I'll get... No, sir. We are going to make sure all of our house is in one accord, all of our house is in one place because I understand today that my family's under attack and I'm telling you this, do not... God is speaking to every person. It is appointed unto man to die and then the judgment. I'm talking today to every soul. The pastor's not talking to you. It's thus saith the Lord, the Spirit of God. That same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that's dealing with you today. It's time for you, it's time for your family to rend your hearts and not your garments. I love you and I am reaching out to you with an outstretched arm. Will you let me help you? Will you let me help you? Will you let me help you? Will you let him help you today, I ask you? Reverently, I want you to stand. Before we do anything else, I'm going to ask you a question in the form of a scripture. Micah chapter 4 verse 5 says, For all people will walk, every one, in the name of his God. And we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. How will you and your family walk? It, this, this is a simple scripture right here. How's your family walking today? How will your family walk Wednesday? How will your family walk next Sunday? How will your family walk this evening? How will your family walk in the morning? Quit feeling good about yourself 
And please quit feeling good about your families because you say you're a Christian. When your house doesn't sound like that. I've told you many times, I get very upset when I get around church people. Way more than I do the world. When I get around church people, and this happens on a daily basis pretty much, somewhere, whether it's our church or another church. I get around church people, I never hear anything about God. I never hear anything about Scripture. I never hear anything about the goodness of God. I hear about everything. That's the sound you see. See, we got to repent. We hate that word. We think because, you know, I was raised Pentecostal. We think we were raised Pentecostal. I went to a Pentecostal college. Uh, we, 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 and we think that we, we, we've, we've kind of got the, the monopoly on it, you see. And uh-uh. See, that's some of the people that's going to bust hell wide open because they had a form of godliness. But they never, the sound of their house told the, told the deal. And I'm going to tell you, there's not much left in this world. Have y'all noticed that? that uh, uh, there's nothing wholesome out there. And I know, I don't care what your mama done to you, what your daddy did to you. It, and I'm not making excuses for people that's made poor decisions. What happened to you in your first marriage or as a child, all that. And, and we're, we're real heartbroken over these things. But I want to tell you this. There's nothing that you have gone through or endured that's stronger than the promise of God. Because, hallelujah, the day of deliverance is about to fully come for somebody that's going to do what I've been preaching today. The day of a door being, the day of a new and fresh anointing is about to fully come for somebody that's going to say, that's it, I don't need anything else. God, you've been dealing with me and now you've confirmed it for me today. I've dealt with everything from children that's went out on drugs, girls that's got pregnant outside of marriage at 13 years of age, uh, alcoholics, uh, people that's embezzled. That's, I, I, I don't even know where to start or stop. Do you know, listen to me, May of this year, I have been in full-time ministry for 30 years. 30 years. 30 real years. 30 years between two churches. And I'm going to tell you this, ever since year number one, 1991, I have never gone one year without families that have had other sounds, that's made exceptions, and it has ended up bad, even when they thought it wasn't going to end up bad. It's ended up bad. God's trying to prevent that today. He's trying to prevent. We don't have a lot of time, you see. That's why I couldn't come up here about half preaching and having, oh, good old Monday today. No, I want your house to change. I want your house to be a place where the presence of God can come in like a mighty rushing wind anytime God wants to. If I was talking about the, the day of money fully coming, I could not beat you off of this altar. God loves you too much. I've got work to do in my own house. I've got work to do in my own life. I have not arrived. I'm sitting on the front row right there. I just happen to have to stand here and share it with all of us. And God's helped me with this. I could not even enjoy praise and worship over there. I couldn't even enjoy it today because my heart was on this. And I said, God, you're going to have to touch me today. 
I know I've got opposition from hell. I know everybody's going to think they're by themselves. But if you love your family, I want you to come find you a place at this altar right now. I'm not going to beg you. I cannot be your Joshua. If you love your family and you're willing to do something, there's enough room. There's enough room for all families to spread out. Not worried about that? I don't want to bury a single child, a single husband, daddy, mama, grandma, aunt, uncle. I, I, I don't want to do that. And the devil would tell me not to say this. But for the past three months, two months, three months, I keep having this feeling that I'm going to have to do about 40 funerals this year. And if you don't think that that bothers me, then you probably don't need to attend this church. I don't care. I'm telling you, I'm being so open with you right now. See, I, my head hadn't been in the sand. I've been watching. I've been praying. I've been fasting about what's going on. And I know God's wanting to do something. I know God did not... God did not institute and make and create the family for the devil to wreak havoc on the family. And I know God wants to move in a mighty way today. And God will move in a mighty way. And you've already moved, but we want to do this right now. We want to begin to pray for ourselves. Lord, show me what's in my tent that has to go right now. What, my cal what does my calendar look like? What does my microphone look like? Do I even have a Bible? Is the Bible ever walk? Do you ever walk through your house reading Scripture? Do you ever walk through your house? Is that sound of the Word ever coming out in your house anywhere? You don't know the power that it comes against and you don't know what it's able to defeat. Just walking through your house, reading your Bible, reading the Psalms, reading the goodness of God. You don't know what strongholds and walls it's able to tear down. I'm telling you, it's not in prime time. It's in the, the man that holds time in his hand. Father God, we come at this altar right now all over this place, Lord. We rend our hearts, not our garments. We love our families. We love our families, Lord. We don't want to say, well, I wish I could have done better. I wish I could have, had, I wish I could have do it over. Today is a brand new day, Lord. God, I don't care what part of the country or what part of the earth people are in. God, every family is important to you. You're able to save every son, every daughter, every spouse, every parent. You're able to do it all, Lord. We lift them up to you, God. We're going to get out of the tent what we've been burying and what we've been okay with, what we've been giving ourselves permission to overlook, what we've been giving ourselves. Oh, God, we're going to do it right now. We're, we're not going to make exceptions that there's only one or two cuss words in a show. Amen. 
Because that's what they say in real life. We're not going to say, well, it's all right. That's how it is. And when they promote all kind of things on everything from news, God, we are going to clean our houses out. God, I pray you convict me. God, I'm not preaching to these people. I pray you show me, Lord. I don't want any of the garments of Babylon. I don't want any of the pieces of silver. I don't want the wedge of gold of this world. I want the presence of God and the sound of God in my life and in my house and with my family in the name of Jesus. So God, we, we repent today. In the name of Jesus, we repent, we repent. We repent, Lord, we repent. Our flesh is going through the same thing that Achan's flesh went through. Our flesh is going through the same thing right now that Eve's flesh went through. That's why these people give in, because we cannot take over our flesh, Lord. But God, today you want to liberate. God, you want these days to fully come where you open up the windows of heaven, where you anoint, where you bless. God, where you open doors, where you fully come in a way we've never seen before. God, and we are going to get our house in order, Lord, and we're going to be in one place so you can do what you want to do. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help me to see that you are, you are for me, Lord. You're not against me, Lord. You're for me. If you were not for us, you wouldn't call us like you do with your word and the spirit right now. If you're not a believer, all you have to do, all you have to do is say, Jesus, here I am. Here I am. I... I I cannot get to heaven with sin in my life. I can't get into heaven with just thinking that I have salvation when I don't really love you, Jesus. When I never take up time with you, I'm not prepared for heaven. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would see I need to be saved. I fall down at the cross of Jesus Christ and I ask for you to forgive me and cleanse me, Lord, in the blood. God, I, I'm asking you to save me. The Bible says if you pray this and you mean this, that the Lord will not only save you, but at that same moment, He adopts you and calls you His own. Yes. I'm going to do something that God just hit me with. You know what you're doing right now? And I'm not trying to stretch this out. But when my nephew Ryan was alive, his mom and daddy and, and us, there were days upon days when they would spend a day, spend a night at Shriners Hospital. And then days upon days, upon weeks, upon months, spend, spend the night up back and forth, Chapel Hill. They never minded it. You know why? Because that was their flesh and blood and they loved him. They didn't say, well, it, it, it's time to go. They loved their family enough. They loved that boy. and He's with Jesus now and I can't wait to see him. But, but listen, what, what, what I am telling you right now 
I want you to know this. You are on the front line and you've got both hands up to the devil right now. And you say, listen, we're not going to keep going the way we've been going. I, I'll stay in intensive care as long as I need to. I'll stay on the altar as long as I need to. I'll keep digging till I get everything out of my house and out of my life. And I'm going to put back what I need. I'm going to do because that's my youngin, That's my husband. That's my wife. That's my parents. And I'm going to do what I have to do. See, you don't mind it. You don't mind it when it's your own. You don't mind it. So I'm going to pray over every, every child at home right now. And then we'll go. Lord, I pray over every child that's still at home. Here, Lord, anywhere that, that may be watching or might watch this later. God, we pray over people regardless of their location, state, country. It matters not to you. We pray over them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, we pray that you would cover them. Hallelujah. You would cover them. The world is trying to suffocate them. But we pray that you would cover them, oh God. I come against every stronghold. I come against every form of addiction. I come against every oppressive spirit, every demonic spirit, every, every spirit that lies, every spirit, Lord, that, that brings down children. God, I come against it in the name of Jesus. And I pray, God, that you would let every child know that they are fearfully and wonderfully made by the hand of God and you will take care of them. I pray over all of them in the name of Jesus, Lord. In the name of Jesus. God, I pray over every parent, oh Lord, in the name of Jesus, God. Oh, parents would draw a line in the sand today and say, not my child, not my spouse, not my sister, not my brother, not my parents. I pray over everyone, Lord, that we would make our minds up that we belong to a jealous God and we will not cave or bend or bow to no other God in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus.